BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and welcome to episode 99 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I hope that you guys spend it with friends, family, and people you like. I'm going to be heading out to Boston for Thanksgiving, and then after that, heading out to the mountains for a little while, also to catch up on some movies. And by the way, if you're going to watch movies, uh, stick around, because I'm going to be giving you three recommendations that you should check out this Thanksgiving week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. There's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen, so I started getting screeners uh, to be able to vote for two organizations, uh, the Critics' Choice Awards and the New York Film Critics Circle Online. Um, this week on this episode, I'm going to be talking to Michael Longoria. He's a singer-actor that I saw performing on Broadway's Jersey Boys several years ago, who until this week, I had no idea he was Latino and of Mexican origin. He's out now with a new Christmas album called Merry Christmas Darling, and I talked to him about his cultural identity and how it shaped him to be the person he is today. But before I chat with Michael, this Thanksgiving week, the movies are good. They're really good. I mean like Oscar contenders. So here are my top three recommendations that have my seal of approval. on the internet what ralph breaks the internet directed by rich moore and phil johnston starring john c Riley and sarah silver well 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 who are you i think we should get out of here <laughs> this car is not designed for a big boy i'll tell you that Woo. do you foresee any issues in working for a black man you and a deep south there's gonna be problems. Green Book, directed by Peter Farrelly, starring Mahershala Ali and Viggo Mortensen. We will be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Wolf. could use some finessing. but why you breaking my balls? Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago, who infamously killed Apollo Creed, appeared today to issue a challenge to Adonis Creed. Don't do this. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and he died right here in my hands. Creed 2, directed by Stephen Capel Jr., starring Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, and Tessa Thompson. Round after round, you learn more about yourself. And when I stepped in that ring, it wasn't all about me. 
not sure if you know this, but one of my favorite Broadway shows has and it will always be Jersey Boys. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but if you have it, it's a story of how Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons became one of the most successful singing groups in the world. My next guest is Michael Longoria. He's an actor, singer, and dancer who played Frankie Valli in the show, then became a member of the Midtown Men, which I've seen in concert. They're a singing group much like the Four Seasons, but today... Michael joins me now to discuss his new Christmas album, Merry Christmas, Darling. Hey, Michael, how you doing? It's going good. How are you? Yeah, you know, um, the first time I saw you, Michael, was at a Jersey Boys performance. This was uh, oh, yeah? years ago. Yeah. So um, I had initially gotten uh, my press tickets to go see what was this Jersey Boys show. <laughs> I'm an old soul, so the music connected with me in a way that was completely different, and then I just fell in love with the Jersey Boys, which most of them then went on to become the Midtown Men with you, and uh, (laughs) I remember I went to go see it about four more times, and then one of them was you. Never did I think you were Mexican, ever. Oh, wow. Ever, ever, and uh, it, it just begins to then sort of crack the surface on what identity is in America and how some people just, you, you can no longer say that person's American, that person's this, that per It was interesting to me. Do, do you carry your Latino heritage with you? <laughs> oh my God. What a, what a great question. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny. You don't even realize that you do. I mean, when I came, when I first came to New York, I was 17 and um, I, I had been to New York one time before, which was to um, attend a high school summer intensive for musical theater kids. And they picked me out of, a you know, however many kids um, nationwide. And 16 of us got to go to New York City and, you know, experience what it would be like to be a student at this college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even even then I remember looking for the Mexican food places and everywhere that I go on the road, it's, it's funny, like the midtime and I'm, I'm on the road and the first place that I'll Google is Mexican food. And then I'll go to that place. And right. it's kind of what I realized is the question about carrying my culture. It's, it's my, it's my comfort food. Any kind, any kind of Mexican food. It's like, it's like, um, feel, it's my way of feeling like I'm still home. Right. Cause I left at such an early age, you know, I had to leave, um, before I really got to know my, full family as an adult at all you know i had to i had to leave as a child so my childhood memories was the food and uh and the mexican food and the, and the mariachi music right the only time i could even that too like if i could find a restaurant that has live mariachi music all of a sudden there's like a pep in my step <laughs> you know what i mean so i didn't realize that that was me carrying my heritage um until you just said that right now and i was like well that's that's actually how i do it is is in those ways Right, they're almost subtle, and they're all very personal to you. Uh, it's right. not necessarily public displays of your Latino heritage. You know, there's some people that we call professional Latinos, <laughs> 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 where they're, yes. they're 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 waving the flag on everybody that uh, that talks to them. You know, and um, sure, that's fine. You know, if that's the way you want to be, but there's others that are much more reserved with it and, and everything else. And uh, when yeah. I was doing this interview, I was like, "Hey, I know Michael Longoria." Um, I saw him in Jersey Boys, and I didn't tell you this, but I also saw you in Midtown Men. 
Oh, wow. That's so cool. It was in Queens here in New York. It was at a they theater. They love us in Queens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. We're New Yorkers, man. And he's not, well, baby, that's more of a joke than anything else. <laughs> they always say, hey, when are you going to come back to the Big Apple and play? I'm like, oh, well, we played Queens. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the best uh, concerts I've been to in a long time. Oh, great. Uh, you yeah, guys. It was a fun one. <laughs> energetic, super fun. Uh, yeah, I, love, I was able to take the subway. <laughs> yeah, and I love that Motown set that you guys did. It was, it was, you know. And then I think I saw you at the Macy's Day Parade, and you guys were blowing up. How's Midtown yeah. Men going? Midtown Men is great, man. They, uh, we are still going strong. We're starting our ninth year touring as a concert act since we left Jersey Boys. Uh, we all, you know, we did Jersey Boys for three years together. Then we all did our own thing, and then Midtown Men kind of started calling us um, and. Nine years later, but um, but one cool thing about us this Christmas season is, uh, as you know, I'm, I've just released my Christmas album. But I I asked the guys, um, the Midtown men, to join me on a track, and there's they all came and sang uh, on a song called "Little Saint Nick." That is so awesome. We got to give a little Jersey Boys uh, flair to my album, <laughs> even though even if it's just one track. So before we get to your album and uh, and your Christmas album, uh, Merry Christmas, Darling, uh, I did want to talk to you a little bit about what Jersey Boys meant for you. Um, as a professional, as an actor, mm-hmm. uh, as someone in this business, and then what Midtown Men has represented uh, for the evolution of you as a singer and as an actor. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> 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 no, uh, no, it was Jersey Boys was um, was a very difficult but triumphant win. Why was it because, difficult? Well, because. You know, I was I was young. I was I was a swing in hairspray across the street, and um, and all the casting directors. You know, once casting directors see you a certain light, that's it. You know, like a lot of them will, will not give you a second look. So once I was cast as a swing in hairspray, the only auditions I was getting was, "Hey, do you want to be a swing in this show? Do you want to be a swing in that show? Will you be in the ensemble of this chorus? You know, whatever. You know, and that's all. That, all that's great. But I knew that I was hiding this uh, the singing voice because I, I was a singer my whole life. But in the, in the way to get into Broadway, my way was in uh, dancing. I was I was able to get into oh, get out of a, here. a dancing chorus call for Hairspray, and um, and I got into the ensemble of that show. So that all of a sudden that was my identity to everybody. So that's why I mean it was difficult. So I was able to get in to an audition for Jersey Boys, but um, they just wanted to see me in the ensemble. Mm. So they, but they did give me a feature and they gave me the feature of Joe Pesci and they asked me to start understudying the role of Frankie Valli, which was the, was the star of the show, which I knew th- this was why it was also difficult. I knew that I, I knew that I could play both parts and I knew that I was the singer that nobody was giving me the shot to sing, right? They, they, they were just letting me sing back up. <laughs> and, and I knew there was this part right there that was golden for me to play. And maybe I was a little too young for it at the time, but I knew at some point I would be able to play it. But it took convincing to everyone. I mean, I literally had to um, audition daily and nightly. Wow. <laughs> Luckily for me, the part was the part was so difficult that I ha- that they had to put me on. Um, so I, I ended up having to go on at least once or twice a week, which turned into them offering me uh, Frankie Valley during the matinee performances full time. So, so then awesome. that was awesome. And then after that happened, um, in the third year, they, they, they made me the full time Frankie, which changed my life. And, um, you know, it was great. It was, it was an amazing triumph. That's what I mean by triumph. It, it didn't come easy. It wasn't given to me. It was something that I literally had to work for. And, um, and it took, it took Frankie Valley seeing me in person live oh. on stage. You know, it, it, once he saw me play the part, um, 
that was it. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't tell him no, you know, and, and he was the boss. <laughs> so that was it. Where you were a natural Frankie Valley, you know, honestly, I, I love John Lloyd Young cause I thought he was the first one. He did such an amazing job with it in the movie, but you know, you never thought you were going to get another John Lloyd Young and here comes along Michael Longoria you know, and uh, yeah, we both played it so differently, which which is what I've been told. And um, I was I was able to play Joe Pesci when he was Frankie Valli. I remember was, that one too. Was awesome, yeah, that was awesome too. When that and that's that was the other opportunity, you know. And I think it was my Mexican heritage, honestly, the Latino in me, the hard worker, you know, right. willing to willing to basically jump through hoops for these people to to let them know that I can do any do it all and I'll do anything. So I was literally playing. Um, Joe Pesci at night and then switching switching costumes for the matinees and sometimes I'd have to go on at night as well so it'd be like these two major parts in a hit Broadway musical and and here I was you know the hard Latino worker you know just really working hard trying to convince everybody that I could do it yeah you know John John Leguizamo has been uh, famously known for saying we have to work three times as hard to get half as much. Well, I mean, somebody, yes, I, I had a dance teacher once tell me that, you know, your talent is part of it. Your drive is another big part of it, but a big part of it is luck. Do you believe in luck, Michael? Uh, I don't know if I believe in luck. I mean, when she said that, I kind of rolled my eyes. <laughs> 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 because I was like like most of us say? do. <laughs> well, no, I was like, I was like, what are you trying to say? I was just lucky. You know, <laughs> you know like I, I, I worked my butt off for this. Right. But, um, but you know, Maybe to some people there is a, an amount of luck, but it's also positioning. It's also keeping your eyes wide open, as I did, you know, as the swing would from Hairspray, knowing that there was this leading part that I could eventually play one day. Um, you know, I had to keep it open. And not only that, I had to, like, show other people, you know, that this is, you know, this is the direction. <laughs> it's, it's part of, like, I don't know, you just have to drive your own destiny sometimes. So luck, you know, sometimes luck will play a factor as far as somebody seeing you. Right, like the right person seeing you. It was lucky that Frankie Valley happened to come see me when I was on. Uh, you know what I mean. So that was luck. <laughs> um, but it's also fate. You know, it's it's. I think I think you know I was supposed to play that part at some point. You know, I grew up similarly to Frankie Valley, somebody who was um, poor from uh, a blue collar family, uh, who was a singer. Who the, the one thing that made me anything or anything special, similarly to Frankie Valley, was that. I was this singer, this kid, this little boy who had a, who wanted to sing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like uh, you know something that I did. It was like I wanted to. It's like something that I did. So um, and to come from nothing like Frankie did, I feel like when I played the part in Jersey Boys, I was in a sense reliving my own kind of journey. Wow! Like, yes, cool. people on stage were calling me Frankie, but I was like living my own self. That's crazy, man. That sounds like a like a religious you know, experience right there. It kind of was, it kind of was, you know, it, it really made it my own. So like, um, I, I always, when I, when I told my, like my best friends about this, I say that when I was, when I was playing Frankie specifically, you get on the, you get on the Jersey boys train and you're literally on the train the entire time. Almost. You, I think there's only one scene where you're not in the show right? where you're changing. So as soon as you get on, you step, step on stage for that first moment, you, the story is yours that they are telling your story and you have to literally be, living each scene like being being the person that they are um living that scene with that life with so uh to just experience it as uh, in in the moment and all these people like marrying you and divorcing you and leaving you mm-hmm. and, and all the success happening and then seeing a real audience out there kind of going with the journey I, I always felt the journey was with me and the audience i felt that they were on it 
on that that same Frankie train. Listen, uh, you were fantastic at that. You were fantastic in Midtown Men. And I heard Thanks, the man. album, the brand new album, Merry Christmas, Darling, that you just put out uh, yes. just last week. <laughs> and you're fantastic in that too. And one of the, the big attractions, I think, to you is the falsetto that you have. Oh, thanks, man. Tell me about the, that falsetto. Were you born with it? Did it did it come to <laughs> you with time? I mean... Well, you know, my mom says that when I was three, I was, you know, singing lines. Like, uh, instead of singing, speaking words, I was singing phrases. Uh-huh. Um, like, in tone. Uh, and, and she said one of my favorite songs was 99 to Sloof Balloons. <laughs> that song from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, but I didn't know the words, obviously, so I was just Google gaga it the whole way. Um, because I was such a young singer, I think I developed, um, like a high belt <laughs> when, when I had a soprano voice, uh-huh. um, that kind of just continued to go. I mean, I remember puberty. I remember having like a crackly voice for a little bit, right? but eventually that kind of like went away. Um, and, uh, but the, the, the time that I actually discovered my falsetto was at NYU. I was a uh, junior and I was auditioning for a musical called Avenue X, mm. which is all doo-wop. It's all like this, um, acapella doo-wop show right up your alley and, uh, yeah well i mean i didn't know that though at the time because at the time i was just singing selena you know i was i was really into selena music at the time <laughs> uh, i know it's funny most right? of us but were man like, yeah i was like mm, so i was like singing all those words falsetto selena okay so college junior i was a junior after singing selena i got in there and i sang the song um you know in the normal octave for the audition and the guy was like that's great, but can you sing it up the octave? And I was like, huh? So I kind of like, you know, went up what I thought what he wanted, which I would later discover was falsetto. So you discovered uh, that you had a falsetto. Well, I mean, I just thought it was singing like a girl. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, look you know at that. You know what I mean? Because I've been singing, like, I've been copying Selena. I've been copying musical theater stars like Emily Skinner and Alice Ripley, who are these big belters. Um in high school, you know, I, all these different sounds, including mariachi music, which, mm. as you know, is like all about belting. Yeah. Um, and it's almost you know, like and, operatic. Well, you know, what's funny. The other thing that's that's very falsetto is the mariachi scream. Do you know that? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Yes. Okay. I know that. that one. Yes. So that. So growing up, I, everybody's looking at me crazy now. That <laughs> um, so every, so learning that at a young age, that's falsetto. That is the essence of like my Frankie Valley sound. And I didn't even realize that my mom taught me that until, you know, later in years. But that, that. That's, that same placement is the same placement that I would sing, that, that kind of strident, forward place, Frankie Valley tone. That's awesome, man. And we get to hear it here on Merry Christmas, Darling, the brand new uh, Christmas album that you have. Frosted I'm sure you've been wanting to do a Christmas album all your life. How did you get the opportunity to do it? Well, you know, okay, so I I released my debut solo album on Broadway Records two years ago. It's called Broadway Brick by Brick, and it's all Broadway songs. So I developed this relationship with those guys uh, back then in that first project. Uh, a year after that, I did a show called The View Upstairs, um, which was off Broadway. And it was, it happened to be through Broadway Records again. But the producer of that was this guy named Mike Kreuter. Mm-hmm. And Mike Kreuter and I in the studio, it was like we had one session. I sang a song called Sex on Legs. 
in the musical. And, um, but the session went so well. And, and I remember having a really good uh, rapport with him and back and forth communication within the studio that when I was thinking about, you know, this next album, I want to, I want Broadway records to do it, but I need to find a producer. And I thought of Mike. Hmm. So Broadway records and facilitated a a meeting with us back in May. And, um, and back then it was going to be, you're going to laugh. It was actually going to be a nineties album. Oh, wow. Originally. And then uh, after I was thinking about it, I was like, no, I think (laughs) I think I want to do Christmas. Something about it. I think, I think at the time, like, everything that's going on in the world i just i just needed christmas personally yes, I did. yes and it wasn't even summer yet but i needed that to hear those songs that love that that hope and that yeah, you the know sense that, of innocence easy, the joy yeah but all of that um and then once i started listening to it i was like okay great it's gonna be a christmas album broadway records was on board mike was on board and now i just had to pick the songs so in listening all summer um i was gravitating towards all these songs about the lover, you know, the Romeo, mm-hmm. the person who who's a home at lo- alone at, on Christmas Eve, wanting his love to come home and, and wishing and hoping and and asking Santa, is this the lover that's for me? Is this the one that's going to be staying with me next Christmas? Mm-hmm. And and then I thought that's what I should do. This album should be from that perspective, from the Romeo at home waiting for their love to come home. What is your favorite song of the album? There's 15 tracks. A lot of them are classics. Uh, Are are there any new ones in here? There's one brand new one that I co-wrote and it's called Marry Marry Me This Christmas. It's the last track. It's the last track. Marry Me This Christmas. Christmas party Meeting my baby there and uh, it's a song. It's, it's a song that I wrote about how I met my husband. That I would event, that I met that I met at a Christmas party. First off, so we met at a Christmas party, and uh, and then you know years later we'd get married in a winter wedding. So I wanted to have that be the inspiration of it, and um, and have the beginning of the song kind of sound like an old school Christmas song that yeah. you hear at a Christmas party. So when you listen to it, you'll 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 be like, oh, does this sound? This sounds like a, you know like a '60s song almost. Right. Um, and then. To signify when the moment where we actually met face to face, it goes to total contemporary vibe. Um, and you start hearing the chorus, which is Marry Me, Marry Me This Christmas. And that kind of, I wanted to, like, if I could audio color the world in your ears, like <laughs> audio color the moment when you realize that you could see the rest of your life with one person. Right, you know, which is very hard for most of us guys, right? Most of us guys are like, ah, oh, no, marriage, no, no, no. <laughs> please, no. But, but at some moment, po- at some moment, you do realize you're like, okay, I, I could totally see this, and and this is the person I could see as well. Uh, I love, I love how you how you express that in the form of audio color. It's, uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> what is your fascination with the '60s? Yeah, the oldies, huh? That's how my mom. That's what my mom used to call them. It's so funny because. Growing up, she'd be, you know, cleaning up the house or whatever and giving me chores to do. And those were the songs that she'd be playing. And to her, they were already old. You know, they were, she called them oldies. But I think what, what's amazing is that they're classics. These are songs that were written by um, kids that were 16, 17. You know, they were, they were finding their first loves for the first time. They were experiencing it for the first time. They were experiencing first heartbreaks, their first un- unrequited loves. And all of the words that they were using were simple and uh, universal because they were so young. Um, and the melodies, you know, we didn't have auto tune and, 
and crazy <laughs> studio work yet. Right. You know, we didn't have all that. So they literally had to just use um, a stick and a drum kit over here. And here's a tambourine to give you a little jingle jangle over here. And, and it was a simple message um, on, on that recording. And I feel like those songs uh, go well with my voice because something about what I've been told and what I totally get when I listen to myself, there, there's, there's some sort of like, Sometimes a little bit of a sorrow in my voice, mm -hmm. a little bit of a pain, and um, and I think that that lends itself to those kind of songs of of heartache and of, of longing and love and and you know wanting something and not being able to have it yet. Many people have tried to sing "All I Want for Christmas" and haven't done that well. Justin Bieber being one <laughs> example. <laughs> when you decided to choose that song to sing, I mean, you were going against probably the greatest voice in <laughs> music like, history. What were you <laughs> uh, but if anybody could hit those notes, you can. Uh, was it a challenging song to sing? Well, on the right day. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, Mariah, damn it, she's the queen, and I will always give her that props, no matter how cold it is on Times Square. Um, she, she could just stand there, and I will be in awe of her majesty. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, I saw her in Vegas, and I, I don't, she, she didn't even sing a sentence effortless. and I was already weeping effortless. I was weeping. effortless but, um, but that song is always going to be a classic and she she was one of the writers of it I think mm -hmm. not the full writer um, so she doesn't know this uh, and maybe she doesn't care <laughs> if you ask her who's Michael Longoria she'll be I don't know her <laughs> she will she will buddy <laughs> that's okay though but um but to me she she really put a stamp on my like my my vocal soul like oh, when wow. i was a kid growing up listening to her albums all of them um in the 90s were the i don't know the, the soundtrack to my childhood mm -hmm. and, and my my discovering love and discovering you know that that the world wasn't just about the home that you grew up in but about the world that you can discover right. uh, and that was her that was all her songs and, and there's so many other great artists of the 90s um, and on as she's continued to be a great success, but specifically in that era, she something happened with her and, and me <laughs> in my ears. Mm -hmm. You know, the audio soundscape that she gave for me kind of like saved me in many ways, and and uh, not only gave me an escape, but gave me like a dream. You know, and and she gave me a voice. A lot of these songs that I'm singing, besides "All I Want for Christmas Is You," um, I have comp so much Mariah influence. You know, on it, you know, mm. especially my falsetto. You'll if you if you really really were to examine it, you'd hear some of my high notes and be like, "That's not very Frankie Valley. That's kind of Mariah." Because, yeah, because yeah. Of, because of the kind of um, just because of the kind of listening that I did to her, for her albums. Tell me the difference between those falsettos, between a Mariah falsetto and a Frankie Valley falsetto. Very very easy to say. So Frankie Valley is very nasally, more nasally and lighter, right? So. Very up here, and and um, and uh, Mariah is more like belty, you know, oh, uh, more like push, yeah, push, and, yeah. And, um, and Frankie is more a little more of a, a nasal forward, lighter sound. Got so it. I don't know. Was that a little vocal lesson for all you listeners out there? <laughs> yeah, no, I've always wanted to know what the difference of that was. And then there's Last Christmas. I love yes. this song by George Michaels, Rest in Peace. Uh, this was yes. a song that he did with Wham. Uh, do, do any of these other songs have personal meanings for you? Uh, when, when you started singing them, did you 
Did you feel differently uh, as opposed to <laughs> when you heard them now that you're singing yeah. them on a studio album? Well, you know, what's, what's interesting about all that is that I I chose all these songs like based on how I, how I felt without... And I listened to, obviously, I listened to the lyrics and I read the lyrics, and but I didn't necessarily memorize these lyrics. So a lot of times when I would bring these songs into the studio, I'd be like, wait, what is that lyric? What is it? And I would listen to it and read it and read it. And I'd be, exactly, no, but I'd be, learning it, I'd be learning it in the studio, which meant it was like really real and off the cuff. Um, and then later on, as I listened to it, then, then all these emotions, these huge emotions would come because I actually heard what I said. But, um, but to a lot of these songs, I, I didn't necessarily know that the full, um, the words of it, but the actual emotion of it was what I felt. And that's, that's what I let drive me to choose them was, was what I, what emotions I, I overcame me when I heard it. Which is, I mean, I'm sure all 15 of these songs are your babies and you love them all equally, but are there any particular tracks that that you are super deeply, profoundly connected with that we should all listen to? Yes, well, besides Marry Me This Christmas, which is the one that I co-wrote, the, the other one that I always tell is the heartbeat of the album is Wrapped in Red. Now this mm. is, this one is- Was like, this Kelly Clarkson? All, yes, this is Kelly Clarkson. and. And as far as degree of difficulty, this one's more difficult to sing. Interesting. <laughs> so when you try to sing along, try to sing along to this one, this one's pretty difficult. But it's really good and it's really this one, the reason I say it's a heartbeat is because it was the it was the one song that made me choose to turn this whole album into a Christmas Christmas oh, album. Wow. Because I heard it and and it was this this character that I'm telling you, the Romeo that's that's uh, taking a risk at Christmas this year. And this is the Christmas that he's willing to risk it all and not afraid to fall, which are, are the lyrics in that song. Um, the story of the song is basically you're at the doorstep of the person you've wanted to confess your love for Christmas's past. And every year the Christmas comes, you don't get the nerve to say it. You just don't, but you want to. But this Christmas is the one that you're going to do it. This Christmas, you're going to go to the doorstep with nothing, no gifts, Nothing but the words that you've never spoken, and uh, and I think that's that was the, the thing that drove me to 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 make this story arc about the Romeo was was that idea of 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 what Christmas does not only to you as to your friends to make you kinder and make you want to give gifts and see your family, but it really it can open your heart to the possibility of love and the possibility of getting hurt as well and and willing to risk it all and and not get what you need, but at least tell the truth. Right. Love is actually what we all need in America right now. Uh, just a little piece of that. And the fact that you can contribute that with this uh, terrific Christmas album called Merry Christmas, Darling, 15 tracks of some of the great classics uh, that you've heard before, but in the voice of Michael Longoria uh, is, is wonderful. So thank you very much for that. You're going to be performing some of these songs at Birdland uh, December 10th, Monday at 8.30 p.m. at the Birdland Theater. What's that going to be like for you, man? You know, it's going to be a huge celebration. It's going to be the whole band from the actual album on stage, and we're going to, we're going to do the whole album. We're going to do it live. I'm going to try and make it out there, dude. I, I want oh, to see this in person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then you're going to be like, you're going to be ready. You're like, that one's more difficult. No, that one's more <laughs> Wait a minute. Look at that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be like, that, that's the forward mix. Oh, <laughs> uh, I noticed that you sing Spanish very well, just from the little bit that you kind of sang a little while ago. Sure. Any plans on ever singing or doing an album in Spanish? Now you sound like my mother. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, Margarita, my mom, um, you know, who's, uh, who, who 
sang mariachi music when I was growing up. And she was the first person to put me on stage in a charro outfit with a sombrero on. Yeah! And she tied up, she tied up my little red tie and a bow with a fringe on it. <laughs> I love it. And put my little Kmart boots on. And I went up on that stage at a place called Domingos Alegres. And she taught me a song in Spanish. I didn't know how to speak Spanish because, you know, I was, I was the generation in that family that they were like, okay, English only. We're going to, you know, only right. speak they Spanish. Wanted you to fit in. They wanted you to fit you. in. Yeah. They wanted yeah, you to well, fit they in. Wanted, and it was smart. It, I don't, some people see that as like, oh, that's not a betrayal of the culture. I yeah. don't think so at all because they still spoke it. And it, you know, it was, it was their, it was their goal to give us a benefit and, and push us forward and, and make sure that we were going to be able to compete in a world where they were all speaking a different language. So I think that was wise of them. And, um, it's, I, I give myself, you know, the, the chastise or whatever, uh, to, that I wish that I that I in high school and in college I would have you know really studied it more. You know I I can sing it I could sing it very well because I grew up singing these lyrics in mm -hmm. Spanish and kind of feeling what they meant. So I feel like I've I feel like my introduction to music was was the feeling of it because I d literally didn't understand the words they were in Spanish. Right. But I I felt the message and I could understand with the way that the singer was crying through the voice what they were talking about and and I think that in the future. If there ever is ever an opportunity, it would be awesome to do an album, an album like that with my mom. Oh man, that would be special. I Some mariachi that. classics, by the way. Um, Putting it out there, canciones de mi madre. Yes, <laughs> I even love the title of it. By the way, uh, suggestion, cool. oh. suggestion. <laughs> if you want to listen to the best big band Christmas album in Spanish, you should listen to an album called Navidades Luis Miguel. I'm not sure if you oh know who God. Luis Miguel is. First of all, do I? Yes, Luis Miguel. I wanted to call myself Miguel Luis for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so you know who I'm talking about. If you oh, listen absolutely. to that album, it's one, if not the best Spanish language Christmas album I've ever heard in my life. Oh my gosh. I love Luis Miguel's slow vibrato. Oh, uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. I, can't, I can't do it right now, but yes. <laughs> it's he's really amazing. sexy. He's amazing. He's, all, so. he's so good. He's he, so good. He's, he's excellent. He's excellent. So uh, are you going to be doing any more Broadway shows? What can we expect from you? Movies, TV, more albums? Um, yes, from your uh, mouth to God's ears. <laughs> all, all of the above. Uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, staying in the recording studio. And I feel, I feel like I found a new way to express myself, mm -hmm. um, with, especially with this team. This team is really supportive and uh, they, they are seeing my vision with me and, and kind of giving me the wings to soar. And, and if they are down with doing more stuff, then I, that's kind of where I would love to be. Well, fantastic. Michael Longoria, the name of the album is called Merry Christmas, Darling. You're going to be on Birdland Theater Monday, December 10th at 8.30 p.m. I'm definitely going to be there. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Gracias, Michael. Gracias. That's it for episode 99 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I want to thank Michael Longoria for coming on the show and wish him a happy Thanksgiving and wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving as well. Wherever you may be, I hope you eat well and watch some good movies. Next week is the 100th episode of the show and I'm excited to see what I'm going to come up with to share with you guys. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.